Hey, Murd Nerds, stay tuned after the theme music. At the end, we have an update on this case. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alicia. And we are Murd Nerds. Hey guys, welcome back to Murd Nerds. Thanks for joining us on this lovely February day. March is right around the corner, and I cannot wait for this gross weather to be gone. Yeah. Ugh. Alicia, do you have anything to share with the good people this week? Um, I've been listening to this podcast, and I believe I told you about it, The Murdaugh Murders. The mur- I, they say Murdoch, but it's spelled Murdaugh. Yeah, you did tell me. Did it's I like, tell you about like this? It's political and... It's wild. It's absolutely wild. Like, there's all these different people that just keep dying all the time, and it's like... All these different attorneys, like linked to that family, politicians. Right? Yes, it's crazy, and it's ongoing right now, as we speak. They're finding out all this stuff about this guy and like money laundering and insurance fraud, and it's wild. Sounds so, like motive to me. <laughs> sounds like motive to me too. <laughs> Smells like motive. <laughs> I smelled motive. <laughs> How you been doing? Um, good. I fell down. Oh, yeah, I fell down. My dog pulled me down the stairs. Um, and I, I got a little banged up, but I just kind of bounced off the ground, (laughs) if you know what I mean. (laughs) Um, and you already know this, but we charted in Germany, which is really freaking cool. It's very exciting. Yeah. You you guys are international podcasters now. Yes, thank you. Congratulations. Thank you to our international listeners. Do you remember what other countries that we're getting like decent numbers in? Uh, India... The United States. Well, duh. Uh, India, uh, Australia, Germany. Sweet. Was Sweden on there? New Zealand. New Zealand. Yeah. So. Yeah. So hey that's guys. really exciting. How yeah, you that's doing? very cool. Very cool. What's uh, what's going on in your life? Hey, I just want to announce that uh, we are getting ready to start a recording with uh, Golden Image Podcast. Woo-hoo! So we're, we're gearing up for that. So coming soon. I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later once the Absolutely. episodes get out. but. That's that's what's going on here. Building that empire. Heck yeah. yeah. All right. So my episode this week is a tough one. It's it's just really brutal and unsolved, obviously. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to be talking about the brutal murder of Joanne Fox. Um, there is a trigger warning. There are mentions of sexual assault. So... If you don't want to listen, we'll catch you next week. There's no big deal. My sources this week, um, I read various articles from 1967, which is the year that it happened. Um, and it happened in Terre Haute, so it was the Terre Haute Tribune. Um, I read some articles, or an article by Lisa Trigg on TribuneStar.com. And then, obviously, FindAGrave.com. It's our go-to. It really is. It's a really, I always go there first because then that gets you, like, your your basics. I used a Reddit Unsolved. Hey! Bones of Autumn. Oh, is it? Oh, I yes. love her. She wrote, or she, right? Yeah, she's an online she crime journalist. She wrote such a good post on this. And, yeah. I'm so glad you she, Yeah, she's great. Looked her up. I didn't even so know it was good. her. I was, like, reading. Oh, no way! And then I went to cite it. After our, well, not like kind of in the middle, and I was like, oh crap, like I gotta cite this. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, it's the Bones of Autumn. I love her. Yeah. Seriously, she's wonderful. She's so talented. I also used, is it imager.com? Yes. Okay. And I couldn't, I, I've never used that website before, so I couldn't figure out 
like what the user who the user was. Yeah, Does that makes sense. I don't I don't know where that's located. Yeah, it's pretty. It's kind of strange. Um, and then I uh, found a, a Facebook page created by Joanne's cousin. Oh, so I did pull some photographs and some information off of there. In June of 1967, 32-year-old Joanne Fox was found dead in her apartment by her roommate in Terre Haute, Indiana, from an apparent beating. After hundreds of suspects and interviews, the police are still missing something in this case, like evidence, witness, like they need something Mm -hmm. just to link everything together. Even now, nearly 55 years later, the public does not know what happened to poor Joanne. But I have some interesting theories to share, and at the end we'll see what you think mm-hmm. happened. On June 24, 1967, 25-year-old Carol Ann Dyer arrived to her number 11 basement apartment at 512 North 6 and a half Street at the Manor Apartments in Terre Haute, Indiana. This was an apartment that Carol had planned on moving out of soon. A woman named Joanne Fox had called the landlord looking for a new apartment. So he, the landlord spoke with Carol, and she agreed to let Joanne move in until she was ready to leave. So basically they'd be roommates yeah. until Carol moved out. Um, and Joanne had been settled into the apartment for eight hours. What? When she was killed. Yes. When Carol arrived home, she was accompanied by a male friend named Rudolph Stevens, Um, The time was about 2.45 a.m. when they arrived, and it was dark, so Carol thought that Joanne was just asleep in her room. But she said something just kind of felt, like, off to her. So she called Joanne's name, and she walked back to her room. She tried to wake her up by shaking her in bed. Um, However, she was alarmed when she noticed that Joanne's pillow was soaking wet. With no movement or response from Joanne, Carol took a closer look, and that's when she noticed the blood. It soaked Joanne and her bed. Carol called her neighbor. His name was Marvin Knoll. And he quoted her saying, I think she's dead. And the three quickly contacted authorities, Mm -hmm. you know. When police arrived, they noticed a few things about the scene. First, Joanne had appeared to have been beaten and sexually assaulted. She was wearing only a bra and had numerous wounds on her head and her face. They also found a glass bottle in bed with her. Um, I think at the time they did believe that to be the murder weapon. Mm -hmm. Um, The detectives took extensive photos and collected evidence, including that bottle, some articles of clothing, and some other items uh, from the apartment. So um, I'm going to take this time to talk about Joanne a little bit, about her life here. I couldn't really find a lot. I did find a Facebook page um, that I had mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. which is appropriately called it was made by her cousin. She called it my murdered cousin Joanne. I'm sorry. For I know. Laughing, I know. But it's so blunt. It is. It is. It, it's aptly named. And you know what? I appreciate that. It's no nonsense. You yeah. know. Joanne Walker Fox was born July 6, 1934, to her father Matthew Walker and her mother Wanda Deal. She had a younger brother named George, and he was born in 1937. Lynn, who was the creator of that Facebook page I had mentioned. Um, states that her mother was really close with Joanne. She was like a kid sister to her. When Lynn's mom was 15, Joanne was only three, and they lived in the house. It would have been um, Grandma Deals, okay, which would have been um, Wanda's mother, I would assume. 
She was divorced from husband Robert Fox, and she had three kids with him, 13-year-old Jeff, 10-year-old Kim, and 8-year-old Robert. At the time of her death, Joanne had just started a new job like the week before she was killed at a pest control company out of Terre Haute. I did reach out to a number of her family members to get a little bit more information on just her as a person and like, you know, hobbies, etc. Yeah. As of this recording, I have not heard anything. And, like, I'm not offended or anything. They probably want their privacy. I respect that. That's no big deal. Um, I did find that she was buried at, or she is buried at Highland Lawn Cemetery in Terre Haute. And I don't know if you've ever done this with any of your cases, but, like, combing through, like, family-made Facebook pages. Have you done that? No. You haven't? So I it was really nice because there were, you know, older adults on there talking they were kids when it happened and it was like they they thought certain things about why the family reacted the way they did i guess yeah. you could say and there were people the people that okay sorry so the people that were responding to that were explaining why it was that way and like so they could understand it as adults and i was like watching the family like reconnect Really? Like, like healing. Like I could see it happening. Aww. It was, yeah, it was really, it was beautiful. I like teared up a little bit when I was reading it. So I thought that was nice to share. Are you tearing up now? No, I'm not. <laughs> She's no. tearing up now. Maybe a little bit. <sighs> okay. A little misty here. <laughs> okay. Uh, my timeline for the investigation might be a little out of order. They were really diligent. The cops did a good job, especially for the time, not to like dupe on old-timey cops, which it was only 1967, making it sound like it was in 1867. But they did a lot in a very short period of time at the beginning. So everything I mentioned, I read somewhere in a reliable source, like a reliable enough source that I cited it and I put it in. Mm -hmm. So if it's a little out of order, suck it. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. (laughs) I did my best. So... When Joanne met her untimely death, Jack Ford was the chief of detectives. Now, Detective Ford named Lieutenant Don Tyrone Tyron as the coordinator of the case. Also, the FBI swiftly got involved and sent all of the physical evidence to Washington, D.C. for analysis. Yeah, so they were like, boom, 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 we're on it. Um, The investigators quickly got the coroner on scene along with a slew of officers that were called out of bed to do for duty because it was like three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. They questioned those close to Joanne, including the three witnesses that found her. They were looking to find out who she'd been hanging out with, her comings and goings and, you know, things like that. They actually interviewed more than two dozen people just in the first few hours of the investigation. That's amazing. Yeah. So they quickly also found out that Joanne's three children were staying with relatives, which I'm sure was a relief. Mm -hmm. In the preliminary interviews, investigators pieced together Joanne's last hours. The coroner, Dr. D.M. Ferguson, was quoted saying, I feel bad for the people who reported the incident. We had to keep them up most of the night in order to get every bit of information, which might be important later on. So they discovered that Joanne had visited a fishing camp near a strip mine that Friday evening. A fishing camp? Yeah, what is that? I, You know what? I focused so much on finding out what a strip mine was. I didn't even look up a fishing camp. I was like, it's a camp where you fish, right? I mean, come on. 
Jeremy? Sorry, I don't know. Oh, shit. Well, Jeremy, you're supposed to be our go-to. No, I can look it up. Hold on. <laughs> there you go. So what let's talk it? about what a strip mine is. Yeah, what's that first? We'll hit that so, one first. A strip mine is, okay, strip mining is a style of mining where instead of like digging a hole and having it all underground, they strip away the vegetation, the soil, and the rock sediment to get to the mineral seam. So it seems like it'd be a lot safer than regular mining, and I don't know why it's it wasn't utilized more, or maybe it was, and we just don't hear about it because maybe it's not as dangerous as regular mining. Maybe because it takes such a large area of land. Yeah, to and do it that. takes it away. Yeah, it's just gone. Yeah. It's like a big crater. I went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool rocks, yeah, mining. <laughs> so yeah, I spent like forty five minutes just reading about. Rocks? Rocks. Okay. Correct. I wanted to be an archaeologist when I was a kid. Did you? Oh, wow. Okay. Did you find anything on... Fish camps are casual restaurants that specialize in perfectly fried seafood. Oh. Um, fish camps operate as a student organization and is housed in the Department of Student Activities at Texas A&M. <laughs> okay, so there's a so, couple... Uh, so let's we go with the restaurant. Let's say they went to a restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Fishing. Yeah. So, yeah, a fish restaurant. Okay, cool. That actually makes more sense. Well, if it was near a strip mine, though, I would think it would be a fishing area. Does it say what she was doing there? No, and you know what? Let's just move on from that. We could probably debate that all day. So she was at the fishing camp with an unidentified man. So I didn't find anything indicating that the cops ever found him or identified him or interviewed him or anything. Mm-hmm. It was just maybe witnesses reported that to cops and it was just noted. So Joanne did not have a car, so she traveled predominantly by foot or got rides to where she needed to go. They found out that she had also been seen at a bar with another man after midnight. He bought her a few drinks and when she was ready to go, he offered her a ride, which she accepted. The man states that he dropped her home around 1 a.m., even saying that, like, he waited, like I do with you. He watched her walk inside before he pulled away. That's the courteous thing to do. Yeah, but I always do that. So working perfectly with the timeline provided by this man, investigators also found out that Joanne had made a call to a friend just after 1 a.m. This friend said that Joanne seemed excited and upset, which, so excited can be negative, too. It's always usually associated with... A positive feeling, mm-hmm. but it can be negative as well. So, like, did that man upset her, or had she been drinking and was just emotional, or you know, upset about something at the bar? We really don't know. The like the contents of the phone call was never really released. Okay, but I don't know. The that dude seems a little suspicious to me, right? Just some random dude at the bar driving her home. Yeah. Did they ever identify him? Not. Publicly, not that I found. Gotcha. But, but they did talk con- to him then. Yeah. And he must yeah. have been cleared. Yeah. Here we go. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. We all do. Pulling in Ashley. But um, so investigators located this man and interviewed him. He also took a polygraph. Um, nah. And again, I'm not sure if they just couldn't make a connection or they believed him to be innocent. But either way, he was released and presumably dropped from the suspect list. The details investigators found gave them... A pretty tight timeline. So shortly after 1 a.m., she had the phone call with her friend Mm -hmm. um, to her body being found at 245 by Carol and um, her male friend. But oddly enough, there was no sign of a struggle in the apartment. 
However, Dr. Ferguson, which was the coroner, did say that the small apartment was in disarray. He called it, quote, tiny and cluttered. So that could have been from, I mean, Joanne moved in eight hours prior. Yeah. And Carol was planning on moving out. So, you know, maybe there was like boxes everywhere or so I don't think he felt like that was a sign of a struggle. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, An autopsy was performed and confirmed that Joanne was sexually assaulted. The examiner also discovered the cause of death. However, it was not released because they found some specific details that only um, the person or persons involved would have knowledge of. Mm -hmm. He placed her death around 2 a.m., which was just 45 minutes before Carol got home. Wow. I know. That's awful. With a good list of people to question, the police began interviewing acquaintance after acquaintance, totaling over 150 people. Yes. Dozens of men willingly took polygraphs, which I found no results for, but I did find someone asked Detective Ford, like, did all these men pass or, you know, and he said, that's your presumption. So I don't know (laughs) if that just me, if he was just like, didn't want to deal with it or if he's being like cryptic that's not even an adequate sounds cryptic to me yeah Yeah. like he's like saying well that's your so maybe some of them i don't know i don't want to read too much into that but i did want to make you think that they all are yeah like oh that's your presumption (laughs) so even just your opinion man (laughs) even with all all of those interviews and everything the case did ultimately run cold They could not tie anyone to her murder, and they lost momentum and interest fizzled out. So, odd fact about the Manor Apartments, which is where she lived and was killed. They were located across the street from Indiana State University. About a year after the murder, they were destroyed in a fire that was determined to be arson. But, the police say there does not seem to be a connection. Like, how, how can you say there was a connection? Maybe there was, like, a series of arsons happening in the area, so they kind of linked it to those. If there was, like, a common denominator, you know, like, maybe how they were started or... But, anyway, due to campus expansion, the area is now part of Indiana State University near the Recreation Center. I think it's I think it's just a parking lot now, so... Wow. Yeah. You ever been there? Indiana State University? I don't think so. It's a very interesting campus, because it's right in the middle of Terre Haute. Literally. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Briley's boyfriend goes there. Oh, Elise. Really? Yeah. I almost like called him and was like, hey, let's video chat. Will you like send me like a- where it's from? Yeah. Where yeah. The Can you go happened? to the parking lot across from the recreation center or something? But it could be anywhere in the parking lot. I mean. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure it's a huge parking yeah. lot. So, okay. um, Let's get into some theories. Yeah, absolutely. My first theory is that obviously the man who drove her home from the bar killed her mm-hmm. they only questioned him and gave him a polygraph i think the polygraphs were probably highly revered at that time like that was science yeah you know that was like high-tech science yeah it's cutting edge yes uh now we know beating a polygraph is pretty simple if you know how to control your breathing or if you're like a psychopath or sociopath <laughs> which makes them pretty obsolete especially in cases like yeah. this i hate polygraph tests i think they're worthless i know and it's like damned if you do damned if you don't if you say you won't take one Everybody's like, why would you take a polygraph? Then if you do take one, you can fail even if you're not lying mm-hmm. just because you're nervous. Mm-hmm. Cops make people nervous. Yeah. Not me. So do, so do doctors. 
What? My doctor is cool as fuck. So well, my, is mine. Mine is cool. I'm just always nervous when I go there. Really? Oh, yeah. You know what? I think I kind of am, too. Yep, we all like, are. Because, like, you can't lie to your doctor. No, you don't want to lie to yeah. your doctor. No. You're right. I never even realized that. It's like a little bit of anxiety, like an edge. Yep. Hmm. Learn something Out of nowhere. Day. Sorry. No, no, you're fine. Um, okay, so my second theory is there was, like, just an opportunist. Maybe someone who went to Indiana State University, it was right across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they saw her moving in that day. Maybe noticed she was alone all day and just took advantage of the situation. And yeah. that would make someone virtually untraceable because they're in, out, done. Yep. Well, and and especially many, if they weren't seen. I mean, how many sexual assaults occur on college campuses? Oh, Lord. Yeah, amount. they have those things up now. They had them when I was in college. It's like a bright blue light and it's a button. So if you're in distress, you press that button yep. and campus... Uh, what is it? Campus security. Security, yeah. yeah they're we'll, supposed to be there we'll come within, to that location. Actually, uh, at Ball State, they're supposed to be there within a minute. Really? Yeah, it's supposed amazing. to be that quick. They, Yeah, they keep them posted yep. uh, pretty pretty uh, <laughs> close. There's, there's a lot of Yeah, there's a yeah, lot there of Yeah, there are. Yeah. They're like every glad, 150 feet or something I'm crazy. glad they integrated something like that. Yeah, and, and they had that one. Serious problem. Yeah, they had that when I was in school. That was like oh, ten, the 10 I, years ago. That was a minute ago. Yeah, I think it was a little more than 10 years. Let's say 10 years. So theory number three, I really don't have a lot of information on, but on that Facebook page with the family, I saw Mm -hmm. the family talking about, and they said a name. So they were talking about a man named Red, whom some of them seem to believe killed Joanne. But like I said, when I reached out, I didn't get any responses, so I'm not really able to elaborate on it too Mm -hmm. much. So if, if anybody has heard that theory and knows about Red... Let us know. We'll maybe update or something. At least I can know. I'm just nosy. I just want to know who that <laughs> is. So, okay. Now, here's where we get a little juicy because I kind of went off the rails with this one, and I don't know if it's ever been, like, brought up, I guess. I think – what? I'm super curious. I know. I have a theory in my head. <laughs> oh, I, I have two really good ones. I wonder if they're the same. Okay, so I think they should have looked into Carol a little bit more. Since Joanne just moved in, it it begs the question, was the perp looking for Carol? That's what I was going to say. Yes. So she, they they probably didn't know each other very well, right? Yeah, My mom mom brought this up. We were talking about the case, uh, I think it was like Tuesday. I was like, oh my God, you're a freaking genius. Like that would not have even have crossed my mind. Which you obviously cross your mind right away. <laughs> but when you're re- researching, you get so caught up in certain little things. Yeah. So I was thinking, like, did the police even look at the case from this angle? If a guy was, like, looking to hook up with Carol but found Joanne, Carol and Joanne, like I said, probably don't know each other very well. Would Carol have spoken up? Would she have, like, felt guilty? Like, maybe one of her ex-boyfriends had a key and was, like, mad at her. She's hanging out with this Rudolph guy. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, I thought that was... Or he, uh, you know, the guy was looking to assault and murder Carol. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then he gets there and it's her and he's like, well, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm already here, here. Wrong place, wrong time. Yep. So my fifth and final theory is that maybe Carol was involved. I was gonna say that <laughs> okay so obviously we wouldn't know what her motive would be since they had like just met and she's like just moved in you know and carol agreed to it so it's odd that carol felt something was wrong and went into joanne's room and someone touched her yes 
it was three o'clock in the morning. If if I moved in, you know me well. If I moved into your house at three o'clock and you just got home, would you come into my room and try to wake me up? Like, I would. I would probably if I felt weird in the in the house apartment or whatever. Maybe I would look in and then close the door. Yeah, but not go and touch you. We know each other, but Joanne had only been there for eight hours. Yeah, that's fucking weird. A brand new roommate. Situation's weird. In general. Yes, it seems odd. And conveniently, she had that male Man. friend with mm-hmm. her at the time of discovery to witness it and cover her tracks. Or couple killer. Yep. Couple killers. We've all read about them. They gave each other alibis. They could have been home at 1.30 after Joanne got off the phone with her friend, killed her, and played the whole thing off as the ones who found her. Mm-hmm. Now, there was there a, a DNA, like a semen sample pulled from her since so, she was assaulted? No, that just wasn't... That wasn't a, yeah, a thing it wasn't back a, then. Yeah. They did not. They didn't even think DNA of it. DNA forensics if you wasn't said, until 1986. Did so. you get DNA? They'd be like, get what? Yeah. Well, sometimes I know that they had pulled. I, this might have been more in the like, late 70s, though, because they knew that they were working on DNA forensics. But they would pull DNA just because they knew maybe at some point. Maybe in the future. It. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't think, 1967, I just don't think it was on their radar quite yet. I wonder if they can pull, uh, they can then, uh, they can absor- Why can't I speak? Let me finish before you say exactly okay, the yeah, word you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I already know. Okay. In 2019, cold case detective Sean Keene was looking through old files, and he was actually looking for a different file that not too long ago was solved by DNA testing. Um, it was the 1972 murder of IU student Pam Millam. While looking for Pam's file, he happened across Joanne's case in a box labeled Old Stuff. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. So something about it sparked his interest. He dusted the file off, and he gave it to Detective Brad Ramsey of the Violent Crimes Unit. It would fall under, like, his, Mm -hmm. not jurisdiction, but job title, whatever. After studying the file for some time, police started to question the original autopsy Mm -hmm. report and the cause of death. So after getting permission from the family, months of red tape, warrants, permits, and I'm sure tons of paperwork, 54 years after her death, Joanne's body was exhumed and a second autopsy was performed. With major developments in lab testing since 1967, they hoped to uncover new evidence, new leads with um, the results. Mm -hmm. Last time an exhumation occurred in Vigo County was more than 25 years ago, or 25 years prior to Joanne's exhumation in 1995, and they were trying to nab Orville Lynn Majors. So Majors was a nurse convicted of killing six of his patients by lethal injection. You've heard of him? Is he the angel of death? I don't know. They didn't. I didn't read that. That might be a different. I didn't go right. too in too far into him because you know how I get. I would talk about him for twenty minutes, yeah. and I just didn't think it was necessary. I'm pretty sure he was labeled the angel of death. Well, the exhumation worked in 1995 because he ended up being convicted in October of 2000. So they they got him. So an unnamed person of interest was tracked down in Florida. Investigators interviewed this person, got a DNA sample. Um, he would have been 22 at the time of the murder, which makes him around 77 now. Math is hard, so it might be 76 or 78. I'm not positive. Unfortunately, the original investigators of 1967 did not have the foresight to collect DNA Mm. um, from the apartment. It just, like we talked about earlier, just wasn't part of investigations at the time. But investigators now seem hopeful that DNA and modern science could do wonders for this case. 
So regardless of the obstacle of death, name changes due to divorce or marriage, etc., they're also tracking down as many of the interviewees from Ooh. the original investigation as they can to re-interview them. So we're kind of at this point now where we wait. We wait for them to conclude their interviews, for these tests results to come in, and see what, what they come up with. So um, I have really high hopes. I think the prospect of this is really exciting. They have the technology, the resources, and it seems like the drive to try and finally like piece this case together once and for all. But that does not mean that they can't use your help, everyone out there. So, Alicia, do you want to elaborate on anything? What do you think? I So in the, when we were talking about exhuming her body, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they can pull DNA from under her fingernails. That was my thought, too. I think, I, I mean, why wouldn't they be able yeah. to? Well, and this is going to sound gross. Morbid? Well, yeah. I, I wonder if they can pull the semen, if there was any. I don't know if that DNA would last you don't think so? I don't. I just don't know. I could There's see a lot like skin fluids. cells because skin cells, yeah, they're like solid. But I just think, the, yeah, this is going to get morbid. So trigger warning. I think semen being inside of the body, would a body absorb. that's decaying. Yeah, I think that it would. Yeah, I think that it would probably be not useful. What, Jeremy? No. Do you ever um, watch the? <laughs> You ever watch the comedies where um, the gentleman uses a sock? Yes. So and in it theory, it dries up and hardens. I would think that that would be the same purpose with that. But it's in a in an organic source. Yeah, that but it's fifty re- some years of composition. Yeah. yeah. So I I can't imagine that that would survive that long. The science could really go either way. It really, I'm, it really not, could. Yeah, I'm not knowledgeable enough to even. Well, yeah, and it's like how long do – how do I want to say this? Does that stay separate? Because it's going to be there forever. But at what point does it break down so much that they can't pull it? You know yeah. what I mean? Does it yeah. have to be a certain size for them to be able to pull it? Because it's still going to be there, but at what point is it – too small to be found. Yeah, yeah, I see. What you're making saying. sense. Yes, one hundred percent. But I think I think the fingernails are definitely. Yeah, and they was... could use put, put it into CODIS, like we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. CODIS is incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, and that guy they said they talked to in Florida, they got his DNA. So I would imagine that's in that. I mean, it seemed like a pretty good lead. Mm-hmm. So they got to cross that. I don't know, man. Maybe it's just the the drama in me that wants to think that it's it Carol, Carol, I and, know. and and Rudolph because I mean I think they called him Roy. I just I really again the drama. I liked the name Rudolph. I decided to use his yeah. real name. So. Well, and I think about what if if you had a friend and you knew we talked about this before about how weird people find each other, killers yes. find each other. Yes, somehow they. I don't the know. The universe how. just puts them together. Mm-hmm. So, what if these two were already planning on doing something pretty messed up? And then they and were then excited. They, it was like, and that's why she was. Because I'm thinking myself, I would if I knew I was going to move out of a place, mm-hmm. I would say, "Can they wait until I've moved out?" I, think I don't the know. The sixties were a different time, though. It was a little looser. Like people would hitchhike, and you know, strangers weren't that scary back then. Yeah, you that's know what true. I mean. 
I just, I don't know. Like even I, in your and living space, it's not even just scary. Like though. I don't want somebody living in my space. I don't even mm-hmm. like the people I live with now, and they're my husband <laughs> and kids. <laughs> kidding, I love them, but I don't like living with other people. And welcoming a literal stranger into your house, which I know people do now, or they mm-hmm. they get situated within roommate situations. Mm-hmm. I just knowing she was going to move out. In no time. Yeah, they didn't say a specific timeline so about her vacating, so yeah. I'm not sure about that. I don't know. That just seems like the perfect opportunity if you were sick mm-hmm. and really messed up in the head. Yeah. And how ironic that within such a short window of time and <laughs> in such they think she was murdered at two and then they arrived at two forty five. I I know stranger things have happened, but it's like, yeah, it, it, it does. It's, it really does. It, it sparks, it's turned some wheels in yeah. my head. Yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe just cause it feels like the most dramatic of the theories. Yeah. But man, yeah. Just... Well, and the theory of just, it was someone looking for Carol too. I feel yeah. like that's a good theory. And it, it didn't seem like it was really spoken about in anything that I read. They were just, they were kind of just not blindly interviewing people, but, but it seemed, it seemed like there was an unspoken trust just between the three people that found her and the police. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, those are the first people you should be suspicious of. And they might've been, it just was not mentioned in anything that I read. Mm-hmm. So they it kind of felt like they used them to, find leads instead of using them as a lead. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So what I do you think, think they should have looked. What do you think, Jeremy? I have the elephant in the room. Okay. Why was she moving in there so quickly? Why did she have to be moved in there right away? I mean, if you knew somebody was going out and you were looking for an apartment, you knew somebody going out, you know, well, she'll, I'll wait. I don't need to. Why does she need to be in there so quick? Where's the husband in all this? Okay, oh. so they were divorced. I, I kind of gathered that. But, um, so she didn't call that day. She had called him and asked for, that she told him she was looking for an apartment. And then he took the time, spoke with Carol, discussed it, and then she was told she could move in. And that just happened to be the day that she had moved in. Understand. And she had only been there eight hours. Yeah, but so why it, didn't she say, I can wait, I can stay where I'm at? Well, yeah. it would just be like, she's, you know, I need a place as soon as you can do. And he's like, okay, well, the current tenant agreed, if if you're comfortable with it, that you can move in with her until she moves out. And if she's like, oh, that's cool, that's really nice. I would like to get out as soon as, that's fine. You know, like, I would I would do something like that, but I, I live kind of a risky lifestyle. <laughs> I, I, yeah. do, I do, I do. You know, and being What a, if it was the landlord? Oh, don't even start with me. What if it was the landlord? I wonder if the landlord lived in the building. Well, even if he didn't, he'd have a key, right? There was no sign of forced entry. Yeah. What if it was the landlord? That's a really good theory. See, this kind of stuff doesn't cross my mind until we all talk and you tell me the things. (laughs) Three minds are stronger (laughs) than one. That's right. They are. That they are. Wow, the landlord... That's a fun theory. I wonder if they ever suspected or questioned. He, I'm sure he was in the, you know, 100 and whatever, 100, over 150 people they interviewed, but he wasn't specifically mentioned, so he must not have been on their radar at all. That's a lot of people to interview. I know. For somebody who just moved into into that area. Yeah, 
and all well, that. Well, and that's another thing that I thought is that the cops kind of got distracted and they made their pool too big instead of mm-hmm. focusing on the, the small group of people she right. was involved with at that time. So, yeah. But back to my question. Do you know where her husband was at? I don't. Maybe he had the kids. It, well, it said same as relatives. No, she had full custody. I did read. I didn't put it in, but I did read. She got full custody in the divorce, and he was ordered to pay her, like, I don't know, $15 a week or a month in uh, child support. Where was she going to put three kids in that little apartment? Well, the other girl was planning to move out. But so that's it only was one two... room. They're going to put all three kids no, in No, it was a two-bedroom. Well, yeah, but, I mean, she'd have to have her own room, wouldn't she? Yeah, and then I guess her three kids would share. Be in the other room. Yeah, or she would stay in the. It just it once again. <laughs> we're all we're all a little uh, like a frog. froggy today. Yeah. Once again, it seems awful quick to get moved in there. It's just something. Yeah. There's something suspicious about that to me. Why she would need to get. See, that's it's not. And to I me. understand what you're saying. Yeah. I totally understand yeah. what you're saying. I totally agree with what you're saying. You know, you're allowed to. To do that. You're allowed to have your wrong opinions. No. (laughs) Even though it's your case, you're wrong. I'm a power mover, though. Like, I've done that a hundred times. One day. Boom. See, in my my little world, you wait till the person's out. But I understand what you're saying. You know, it's nice of her to let her come in and do all that. But it just seems a little strange that she would agree to come into that apartment that quickly. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, It's definitely up there on the... Well, like her husband was abusive or something. Is that what you're thinking? Well, I, just, I don't we, think she lived not, with her husband. Yeah, there was nothing about the husband. And it Where was did like, she live before? Did they say? They did not mention. Hmm. And they didn't. Another thing, too, Carol and her might have known each other, it, They, but they didn't say that. So the fact that they didn't explicitly say that makes me think they had never met until right, that right. day or until she had agreed to move in. Right. So, yeah. I don't know. Funky. Yeah, there's a lot of funk. There's a lot of funk. <laughs> oh, it smells funky. Well, and you know what? I didn't even think about this, but the the Joanne's family might have, you know, might have known Carol or talked to her and hopefully we're not offending them right now right. or offending well, anybody. That's never our never our intention. But right. it's definitely a plausible theory that that should I thought should have been talked about. Well, if they're offended, they can come down. I'll make them a meal. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah let's do it. There we go. Open invitation. Yep. For a meal. We'll go to Ashley's place. <laughs> yeah, my tiny one-bedroom apartment with my dog and my cat. They're gracious hosts, aren't they? Oh, they're wonderful. <laughs> I love Shaka. Me too. So, oh, yeah. I uh, ooh, ooh. I know. It's really brutal. And they really didn't release a lot about the autopsy just because they want to keep it hush-hush. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, they didn't release a cause of death. Did they? No, they did not. And you, one would assume it was blunt force trauma to the head and face, but the fact that they didn't release it is like it could be anything. Yeah, it literally could be anything. And the fact that it's blunt, she was struck a lot of times in her head with something, whether it be that glass bottle they found or not, or that, she was sexually assaulted with the bottle. Oh God, you had to go there. Was the bottle broken? Did they did they specify the they bottle didn't, was broken? They didn't say it was broken, so I'm assuming it wasn't. Because that was my original thought when I read it. I was like, oh, they found a broken bottle. Yeah. But no, it was just blunt force trauma, so it wouldn't indicate that it was necessarily broken. Gotcha. So, yeah, gross. I'm, I'm just <laughs> no, thinking. I know you're right. You're right. It's there, and it needs it does it needs to be spoken about. Her getting struck in the face so many times is you know it indicates passion that maybe. 
someone knew her or was projecting something onto her. Yeah, like so the, I anger, don't want to see your face. Yeah, anger. It, that tells me anger. Excellent. So it doesn't necessarily seem sexually motivated. I know she was raped, but I just feel like the violence was yeah, maybe personal. a little separate. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I have high hopes for this. I think the prospect is really exciting. We have all this new technology. They have these resources. And it seems like they have a lot of drive to try and piece her case together once and for all. Um, but that does not mean that they don't need help. If you know anything about the murder of Joanne Fox or you know anyone who knew her or might have been in that area at the time, maybe they went to IU and they hung out at some of the local bars or they lived near the manor apartments. Please urge them to think back to that time. Uh, Jeff Fox, which is Joanne's son, was quoted in Lisa Trigg's article um, in the Trib-, Trib Star saying, It's been 54 years. I'm 67 years old now. And it happened when I was 13. I still think about it. I know. Jeff does believe that someone out there has information on his mother's case, and he hopes that they will come forward with all this new attention on the case. If you or anyone you know might have any information, Please call Detective Brad Rumsey at 812-224-2667 or you can call Sergeant of Violent Crimes Troy Davis at 812-224-2218 and as always we will link Crime Stoppers number in the show notes and you can call them to leave anonymous tips as well. That was a pretty good episode, Ash. Thank you very much. Yeah, way to go. That was a, wow. Yeah, it, it, I read it. I read about the exhumation of her body, and I was like, okay, like this already has some momentum. Let's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Keep it going. So, if anybody has any comments, theories, concerns, go ahead and uh, message us on our social medias. We have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter, we've got TikTok. Um, you can email us at murdernerds at our email at murdernerds at. <laughs> <laughs> Keep saying at. I said that so many times. Our email is murdnerds at Words are hard. Hooey. Wow. And go ahead and give Golden Image Podcast a like on Facebook because they're going to be starting up soon. Coming soon. Coming soon. So exciting. Video podcasting will be coming soon for our channel. So in the meantime, feel free to subscribe to us at youtube.com slash nerds and we're available everywhere that you enjoy listening to podcasts so feel free to like subscribe if you're on apple podcasts rate review if you're on spotify you can rate and review also and um do it we need it yeah we need it it really helps it helps a lot it helps us move us up in the charts so just feel free um and i think that's all i got for you today yeah, this this was this was quite a ride. It was whew, a doozy. <laughs> that was really tough. A lot of takes, guys. <laughs> oh my gosh. All righty, guys. So until next week. Yes, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye. Bye. After a recording, I got a message on Facebook back from Joanne's niece. Her name is Jody. 
She was very kind to me on the phone um, after I called her, and she was actually really eager to speak about her aunt's case. But first things first, I do have a correction. Um, Though I did not read it anywhere, she did tell me that Joanne and Robert, her ex-husband, did have a fourth child named Kevin. He was adopted after Joanne's death, so he had a different last name. I'm not sure why it wasn't reported. I think maybe he was an infant or something along those lines. Could have been that it wasn't uh, really viable to the what was going on, so that's probably why it wasn't ever really. Well, but they they said that she was survived by three children, so I'm just not sure. You know, it was a long time ago, so right. reporting's always a little finicky. True. Jody explained to me that she was only about two when all of this happened, so she does not remember her aunt Joanne, but she does remember her family speaking about her uh, quite a bit. She recalls a memory. Her Aunt Mabel told her that once when Mabel and her husband walked into Joanne and Robert's home, that Robert was about to hit Joanne with none other than a Coke bottle. So that's oddly synonymous with Oh what? Yeah. The bottle that they found in the bed. Exactly. Exactly. Which a lot of people suspect was the murder weapon, including Jody. She she made that connection. I didn't even mention it. She was just like, Yeah, and you know. They found that bottle, so I think that's probably what was what the murder weapon was. Wow. So she emphasizes that though she does not remember and had never witnessed it, Robert, her ex, uh, Joanne's ex-husband, did have a history of violence, and he did beat up Joanne quite a bit. She said that one time when he was angry, he even locked the kids outside during the winter. Oh, wow. Yeah, so anger issues. Um, and that... I think he also had a drinking problem as well, she mentioned. Now, do you remember earlier when I mentioned, I think in my third theory, that the family was talking about a man, Red, that they thought did it? Yes. Okay. So Red is none other than Joanne's ex-husband, Robert. That's his nickname. (laughs) So she was able to make that connection for me, which that was driving me crazy when I was researching the case. That is actually extremely helpful. Yes, because now that almost seems like our most viable theory, really. You know, especially after all this you're in here. Jody also explains that after Joanne's death, she never saw um, her quote-unquote uncle, Robert, with another woman. So uh, it's going to get kind of dark here. Trigger warning. Um, child molestation. She did tell me that when she was three or four, Red began molesting her. The family would not believe that he was doing anything and even went as far as to call one of the older girls who tried to talk about it a whore. Jody also said that one of her male cousins said he was raped. He said he was raped in jail, and she the way she worded it sounded like, him and his father and um, his father's brother all went to jail at the same time. I don't know if it was like Robert. I didn't want to ask too many questions about you know those details. That's a that's a real uh, yeah that's a real tough subject to try to yeah. reach and yes be... I just kind of let her talk and you know mm-hmm, yes okay so um, because she she felt like it was really cathartic for her to kind of talk about it and get it oh, out. Yeah, I can imagine. <clears throat> she said that. Her cousin, the only thing he would say about it was, my uncle did it. It kind of seemed like she knew right away that, okay, that was Robert that did it. 
So he eventually did get molestation charges, and she told me that after he was arrested, the judge asked him, how many kids did you molest? And his answer in court, on transcript, was every single kid I came across. Oh, God. How fucked is that? What a piece of shit. To have no... No, I mean, at least he showed his true colors, I guess. But like, wow, I don't I would really like to know what the judge said back to that. Probably he was probably speechless. I can't imagine he would that he wouldn't be. Why? I mean, yeah, you would never expect to hear that. That is just an insane response. Well, hopefully the judge gave him everything he could give him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he died in prison. Good. Yeah. Good. So fuck that guy. I hope he was getting. Yeah. Jody said that by the time she was a young adult, around 18 or 19, that Robert pretended he didn't remember many of the younger women in their family. She said it was like he was faking Alzheimer's, but she also said that he remembered all the men like he remembered her dad. So it was almost like he was just trying to avoid being confronted or, you know, just putting up a wall, pretending like nothing happened. I would say that he's trying to deflect it. Exactly. To make sure it doesn't come up and just mm-hmm. kind of stay far away from it. Well, and, and she said it was like he was feigning Alzheimer's. So it's almost like, why bring it up then if he, if he has Alzheimer's, quote unquote. So, yeah. Jody did mention that she was angry that the media and the police made Joanne out to be a, quote, hoe. But the reality is that Joanne was a single woman who took good care of her kids. And I didn't mention that in the episode you know, the police making her kind of seem that way. But it did seem like they were only trying to find suitors or who they thought might be suitors. With Joanne being a single mom in the 60s, it's just like a lame assumption that people would make when a woman like in her situation would be seen with multiple men or more than one man. Right. Which is which sucks. So um, I think we can all tell now that uh, Jody believes that Robert E. Fox or Red killed her Aunt Joanne in a fit of rage. Jody said the saddest part about Joanne's death is that it seemed like nobody cared. It was probably just her family sweeping the bad family history under the rug. She said, um, Joanne Stone does not get many visitors. Uh, most of the people who are involved are either dead or have dementia, etc. She said that she really isn't even sure where Joanne was buried anymore. I did let her know what cemetery her aunt was in, and um, I asked her what she thought about the exhumation that happened in June of last year. And she said, what'd you say? I didn't know they did that. Holy crap, I didn't know they did that. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah, she she didn't even know. And I think that just goes to show how things just get lost even to I mean mm-hmm. that was her aunt and it just kind of gets lost to history and to you know no one talks about it and so that just stops. Now did she mention that she actually uh still see her cousins or she talked to her cousins or anything like that? No, she she said that she that's one reason also why she hates him because with um him molesting children and stuff she did not get to grow up with her cousins after all that went down so she said you know he ruined so many lives including mine is what she told me so let me let me bring this back to you and if i remember right because for our for our murder listeners we are recording this update um a couple weeks after we've actually recorded this episode so Mm -hmm. i gotta remember remember back didn't i ask the question why she needed to get into that apartment so quickly? Yes, and I think 
kind of seems it's, it seems me a little more more relevant at this at this punk at this juncture of, yeah the, of, yeah it with seems these like updates. she's trying to get out I of, think she was trying to get away from him yeah. quickly I do I probably yes I think listeners you know email us at uh, at uh, murders not <laughs> <laughs> murders at gmail.com there you go and let me know if I'm I'll have to go back and listen to the episode do which I will obviously but I I think that I brought that up where the husband was. You did. You thought it was weird. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think you're right. I think she was probably escaping an abusive situation. I I honestly believe it. That's, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. The Coke bottle. I know. That's crazy. Crazy synonymous. Jody said in closing that though she believes it to be, she actually hopes that it wasn't Red that killed her aunt. She hopes whoever did this is still alive and can be punished. She said she hopes that that person can spend, quote, the rest of their miserable life in prison. That's what I hope. She said that if Red did it, then he got away with it. He was never punished for it. So Jody also said she wishes that she remembered her aunt Joanne she did say that she was going to speak with her aunt, um, but her aunt does have dementia, so she's not sure if she'll remember much. So we actually might have another update eventually on this case if I do speak with Jody again. Right. She also sent me some pictures. I'm going to use those oh, that's for the show am- that's notes. that's awesome. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we might have another update down the road here. And, yeah, that's that was my conversation with her. It was really telling. Very telling. I, uh, I, that's, that is so personal and that's that's an amazing amazing phone call especially for such a young podcast who is not in the you know we're we're working towards the big leagues but we're not there and it's that's amazing that uh, she would get a hold of you and and share that with you mm-hmm. i think that is awesome yeah, I think it's a lot to do with, again, we're doing local cases and we're local people. Right. So people feel more comfortable talking with us. So, yeah, I every case, I I always hound all the family members. I'm like, <laughs> hey, if you want to talk to me, just let me know. If not, it's okay. Like, I totally understand privacy and yeah. just not wanting to drudge anything up. Like, I get it. But honestly, I reach out. I always try to reach out. Well, and I mean, this is your last couple of cases. You've actually talked to the family members, which is great. Yeah. I think yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. So we're pretty lucky. Yeah. We're getting there. We're getting there. Um, yeah, and Alicia, she couldn't join us tonight. Our, yeah. our third chair is empty here. Yeah, yeah we're definitely uh, – uh, there was uh, a couple of things that happened uh, behind the scenes that I think that she would have just pretty much laughed her ass off of you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we probably would have had another laughing fit. Oh, oh my gosh, yes. that was terrible. That was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> I say that was terrible. Like, that was amazing. <laughs> Yeah, she and every single member of her family is sick, along with her neighbors, which is your family. <laughs> yes, my, my oldest son and his family, they've all been sick. They're like their best friends. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. Everybody's sick. So as as this episode comes out, they'll still be recuperating. So mm-hmm. um, best wishes to you guys. To Alicia and yeah, Roy. We get, miss and the you. Kids. Yeah, get well soon. <laughs> yeah, she told me. Because uh, I was like, oh, my God, like, why? But she had, Cora was a quarantine baby. Mm-hmm. Val was a quarantine toddler. Mm-hmm. So their immune systems haven't been, you know, been right. able to build up. She said that a doctor says it's normal for kids under five to get eight to 12 viruses per year. Oh, boy. I was like, that seems excessive. But you know what the beauty of that is, is they like to share. <laughs> yeah. Sharing is caring, Sharing people. is caring. <laughs> you heard it here first. Doody, doody, doody. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for the update. Um, Thanks for staying tuned until the very end. We appreciate you guys. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.